Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This week we're talking about a specific thing, literally a thing, that helped me figure out I was trans. My watch. Although more broadly, what we're really talking about is giving yourself permission to explore gender. I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the clock by which my universe keeps time, Susan Bridges. Hello. Hello, clock. My clock? Yeah. All right. Sure. Our returning guest is Ava Davis, Sundance Fellow and also known as the Duchess of Grant Park. She is a trans actress, producer, filmmaker, and writer living in Atlanta, Georgia. She is also an advocate for increasing trans and queer representation, especially that of Black, brown, and beige minorities. Welcome back, Ava. It's so wonderful to be back. And also, I love hearing couples talk. Couples have this very specific language that is just theirs. <laughs> and it's so intimate. And so I love to hear couples talk. Well, thank you. We're, we talk a lot, so. Well, so try to be entertaining. Some of us won't shut up. Some I'm of talking us. about myself. Yes. yes. Not you. That's <laughs> clear. Okay. That one there. Oh. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about the Duchess of Grant Park. How did that title come about? That title came about mainly because I felt like if I were to say the Queen of Grant Park and being trans, the first thing that people think is that I was a drag queen and I did okay. not. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I was not like, the same. Yeah. Let's go down, sidestep over because actually a Duchess is higher than a princess. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Nice. So Duchess comes from, let's see if I can pronounce this right, Dukes, D-U-X in Latin. And okay. that was right under Rex. You had Rex and then Ducks and then, I can't remember what, came, I think Comitex came next, Count. Prince or Princess came from Principex, which literally just meant leading citizen. So it's just like saying, I'm an important person. And that's why I have so many princes. I'm learning so much. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so this is one of the reasons I was like, let me become the Duchess of Grant Park because I have loved tiaras and royalty and yeah. history really since growing up. And I felt like I first started learning, you know, like the Roman Empire as one is apt to do in five or six. And I was like, this is my obsession now. The Roman <laughs> Empire, any and everything. And then it graduated to you know the Russians because why not we, Princess Anastasia came out and it's like I need to know everything about the Russians now including their amazing crowns and then you know once I got to high school it was like all right let me focus on you know the English the French to a lesser degree the Italians I'm probably going to dabble in some Austrian and Spanish because of the Habsburgs but you know so taking all of that and I think what I mentioned to y'all in the previous episodes my dad one of his nicknames for me is Crown Prince. Yeah. 
And that's just his way of saying, I am his firstborn. He loves me dearly. And I like to think that I don't carry a big head around with it, but I kind of do. There's that whole thing, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And he always told me that he called me crown prince because not only am I the firstborn, but if something were to happen to him, hopefully I would continue to look after my brother and all those other things and just kind uh-huh. of stepping up. And so I take that title and responsibility very seriously. And so I translated all of that into a short film that started as a micro short about, it was going to be a micro short produced by my friends. And it was going to be like two, three minutes about a lady who's just claimed this park as her duchy. And she makes up this crazy nonprofit called Born Returned Unadopted Children. And people are like, wow, that's a mouthful. And she's <laughs> giving out a prize of getting to take them to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and she calls this big speech and she's like, to make them feel better, we are going to take them to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> wow. But then when the financing for that micro short fell through, it's really hard out here for us performers because it was only going to cost two to $3,000 and financing for that fell through. <laughs> Yeah. But who the person I was going to be directing with or who was going to direct it at the time, we were like, well, let's still do this. And then as I was continuing in my transitioning journey, I was like, well, and also I just had a really bad experience with a trans audition where it was the trans person was the butt of the joke. And I was yeah. like, never, ever again am I going to act right. something like that. And so I went to my director and I was like, this story needs to change. And I don't mind keeping the comedy in there but we should not be laughing at her and there should be some sort of humanity there so it went from being two to three pages to an incredible crazy 13 14 15 pages i can't really remember but it expanded and in the story you really do find out why she's doing what she does she's not just claiming this neighborhood as her own personal duchy because she wants to take it over, even though she's engaging in some reverse colonialism, which I love, and I that's very intentional. <laughs> yeah. But it's her way of giving back to her community. Her community has supported her through her transition, been there and accepted her, and she's lost her partner, and this is her way of saying, you are now my community. I am married to you all now, and I want to be there for you all. That's beautiful. But in making the film... My director and I were like, oh, in this in this little short thing, she's kind of a minor local celebrity. And it was like, oh, I can do that. I can turn myself into a minor local celebrity. And somehow I have not stopped, but it's been really fun translating the work of the Duchess and giving her her own life in the world and hoping that she stands for something and is giving back to the community in a real way. And my whole thing as a duchess as ava davis is number one supporting queer trans non-binary youth and making the south a safer place for them and yeah i'm just one person so obviously i can't go fight ron DeSantis one-on-one combat although you give me the chance and we'll do what we can do yeah. <laughs> let's try it out see how it goes yeah <laughs> just take just take a little dab at it but whether my life and reign is long or short, that's the, that's the cause I'm devoted to, making sure that the world is safer and it's just a better place for trans, queer, non-binary youth. And not just safer, but also, and this is me talking so much, I know, why won't she ever shut up? But That's what you're here for. It's good. <laughs> Keep going. 
in theory, it's it's the gift of time. Like if we can make the world safer, if queer, trans, non-binary kids can have the time to explore their identity in the time they're meant to when they're young. Yeah. When you should be able to explore, take chances, get messy, make mistakes instead of discovering when you're 39 and you've been repressing yourself and you're like knee deep in alcoholism or whatever. It's like, oh, if I could have just explored myself, I would yeah. not be here. Yeah. So to me, that's really the biggest thing. I was like, I want to give them the gift of time, the space to figure out who they are when they're younger so that they can just do what they want to do instead of having to spend time as an adult figuring out who you are because yeah. it's hard once you have bills. It is really hard when you have <laughs> bills. You're like, I need to pay them, but I also don't know who I am right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so so great. I'm so glad that you're out there doing that. If if people who are listening would like to see that short film, is is it up somewhere where they can go watch it? It sure is. Thank you so much for asking. You can go to <laughs> watch dot duchessofgrantpark dot com. Right. Do it. I send you all a. I'll send Kelly and Susan. I'll send you all a code that you can send to viewers where they can get half off. Excellent. Because, that, look, <laughs> I'm going to be real. That When you make a short film called The Dutch of Grant Park, it's not cheap. It is not cheap. <laughs> also, any and all the money raised goes to help support the Duchess's mission of expanding trans representation and making the Southeast safer for queer and trans non-binary youth. And that is a very important and noble goal. Yes. So I'm glad you're out there doing that. Thank you. Okay, so... For you, what has been the most surprising part of your transition? Something you didn't expect that you were just, you know, I mean, I I, I think I'm leaning more toward like the good side, like some unexpected thing that you didn't know was going to be so amazing. The thing I didn't know that was going to be amazing. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind, but this is PG-13, so we're going to go to something else. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with you on what I think you're We're not going to mention it, but yes. Okay, so one thing that my partner picked up on, and it's not so much a physical thing, it was a social thing. Yeah. But my partner and I, we go to, we're going to call it a church because we don't know a better word for it, but I promise you it's not a cult. It is just led by <laughs> a former mega church pastor who came okay. out as gay in 2012 after the spate of gay teen suicides. And his congregation left him. And so he has a very strong background in Christianity, but... We're not really tied to it too much anymore, seeing as how they treated us. Right. So we've started this community of like-minded people recovering from mistreatment, so to speak. Uh -huh. And I was surprised at how, at the, especially in the very initial stages of my transitioning, how the women in that community embraced me. I don't know why that was so surprising, but, and, you know, my partner likes to joke because he was a former pastor. And so he's a Pentecostal, foreign Pentecostal pastor. So there are terms like mother of the church and things like that and women of the church. But he just commented, just seemed like the elder women of the church just surrounded me and gave me so much love and support, especially at a time when it was hard for me to love myself. Yeah. And so it was just this amazing thing of showing up and saying, we got you in this journey into womanhood yeah 
sometimes I feel like the SNL skit where there's the aliens and, you know, they're asking what was your experience like? And one of them is like, it was all magical and fun and fluffy. And I feel like that person, and I know occasionally somebody else comes along, the Kate McKinnon character who's like, yeah, I didn't have that experience at all smoking a cigarette, <laughs> but mine, my whole transition period in that aspect of the embracing part, it's been, it's been beautiful and magical and not just the women in that spiritual community, but also in my artistic community of the friends that I was collaborating with and still collaborate with to this day of, I don't know, like it was just this really subtle shift that really surprised me and, but surprised me in the best possible way of being welcomed when yeah. I was really expecting rejection. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same way. The first time I was at a, a group that was, it was like a gathering just for women. And I was the only trans woman there, but they all just accepted me like I was one of them. And I, I didn't know how to handle that. My mind was just exploding. I'm like, what is this? You actually see me. And that's, right. it was something you could have never anticipated actually happening. You're always like, people are going to think I'm not who I say I am for my whole life or whatever. But so, yeah, that was a really, really amazing thing that was out there that I never could have expected. Well, it's like we are also new to being part of the queer community. Well, right, because we were in what appeared to be a cishet relationship for a long time. Yeah. So yeah. we're starting to like, I mean, we've been in Hollywood, working in Hollywood, working in the entertainment industry, doing yeah. a bunch of stuff. But it's like now we have like queer Hollywood people reaching out to us, yeah. and embracing us and being like, your experience is important and interesting and valuable. And I'm just like, it is? <laughs> yeah yeah like just feeling think... like all those things about ourselves that we just kept hidden yeah and then now it's like oh wait those might be of value it's to some weird yeah it's cool you it's think cool. those are diamonds that's so weird like i've just kept those rocks just like but even if we <laughs> yeah. like shine them and hone them like we've got something that crazy just yeah. insane it's really interesting y'all mentioned about being a seemingly heterosexual cis couple yeah but it's really it's like crossed paths because my partner is male. And so the gay identity was part of me for so long. And then I remember in therapy, my therapist was like, wow, so I guess you're in a heterosexual relationship. And I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. Don't you dare. How dare you insult me <laughs> by using that word? And we had to spend the next six weeks talking about identifying as a woman and now being in a heterosexual relationship and what that meant and I was like I reject that term all the way I now yeah. identify as queer but by the inverse of not being a part of the queer community and or seemingly part of it but then all of a sudden being thrust into it and that is such a curious experience to me yeah, absolutely. It's It was a big adjustment when you go through your whole life thinking that you're a cis person and a straight person, and it turns out you're neither, you know? It's a big surprise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like none of those boxes, none of that world. And Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so if you could give one piece of advice to people who are just starting their transition, what would it be? Or, or what's something you wish you knew going in that would have helped you? I know what did help me find one at least one person who loves you who 
I mean, just absolutely loves you. And I'm not talking in a romantic kind of love. I'm talking seeing your soul kind of love because it is a brutal process. Brutal in the way, the depths of the soul that you go to in learning to love yourself. Yeah. And sometimes when you can't love yourself, it is okay to lean on those who do love you, who can see you especially to combat the negative self-talk because that's another thing is the negative self-talk can get very exhausting and sometimes you're like oh my god why won't i shut up so if you can have someone whose voice you trust whose voice you love and i call it like the drunk voice you know like when you're drunk and it's like that one person talks and you're like i'm going to listen to you no matter what you say i'm going to believe it yeah but in the same way of transitioning or going through anything really just having one person whether that's a friend a sibling whomever and if you don't have that person then text me and we will work on finding you <laughs> one or something yeah because i realize not everyone has that and still yeah. searching for that and it's it's a valuable thing to have of it love, really is of someone loving you once you can learn to love yourself yeah i'm and i've posted multiple times on social media too because i know there are are trans people out there who don't have that or who feel like they're all alone and they don't have anyone they can talk to about it. And I always tell them to just contact me. I'm I'm here. I will listen to you. I've been through it. I will talk with you. You're not alone. None of us are alone. We're all here for each other. So if you are listening out there and you feel alone and you're a little scared and you don't know how to do it, get in touch. We will talk. You're very Look, online. I can they can find you. It's not hard. I am very online. My info is at the end of every episode. So just just look me up and, and let's chat. And what I also always add to that too is I am always willing to chat. I am always going to end up referring you to a trained mental health professional who can come up with a treatment plan. But in terms of being a friend and listening ear, I yeah. do that. Yeah. And remind people again where they can find you online if they'd like to look you up after listening. You can go to theavadavis.com. I am in so many places, but start there. All the links to all the different projects that I'm working on. I just feel like that's a really good starting place. Yeah, mm-hmm. that or just Google the Duchess of Grant Park. and That's right. You're the only one. I am. I am the only Duchess of Grant Park. Thank you. I made it yes. myself. Unique and wonderful. Okay. So let's get into this week's topic. How the heck does a watch help you figure out that you're trans? An excellent question and one that I asked myself many times. But to start, I think we have to go back to how I feel about watches in general. As a kid, I only wore watches if I was out with friends or roaming the neighborhood or something and had to be back by a certain time. I'd be out doing all kinds of things that looking back were horribly dangerous even if I didn't know that at the time. One of those things I talked about in the Trans Tuesday on Courage, also episode 17 of this podcast. I was terrified of breaking rules and getting in trouble, but that meant I was always finding loopholes and ways to push the line as far as I could. That doesn't relate to watches any. I just want you to understand it's not like I was a little miscreant. Okay. A miscreant. Yes. <laughs> now you're 80. Oh. <laughs> okay. But as a kid, watches can be kind of cool, right? You can get like a Superman one or whatever. And for a while, I had one with a Yoda hologram on it on the face and... I got that watch by betting my stepdad that the Bulls would win their third straight championship. He thought it would never happen, but I knew. Hey, Michael Jordan, come on. Okay, so I guess I showed him. Anyway, I can't find that watch now. I don't even know what happened to it. I have almost nothing in terms of physical items from my childhood, though, so that shouldn't be a surprise. 
thankfully, the internet knows all. So there's a photo of one of them in the social media and Google Doc versions of this topic. In fact, most of the watches we'll be discussing here have photos, so you can see those too if you want. I didn't know this was a multiple watch episode. Oh, well, you're <laughs> learning things. So eventually, right, you grow up and the world says you can't have things like a Yoda watch anymore, which of course is all bullshit, right? I talked about how long it took me to even realize that I could say, screw you, I could like sci-fi and sports. And that's in the Trans Tuesday on the False Dichotomy, also episode 11 of this show. So this is a weird question, Ava, but uh, what has been your relationship to watches? Do you care about them? Do you have strong opinions one way or the other? So glad you asked about watches because <laughs> I have a delightful anecdote about my choice now. Looking back, we all knew and I knew at the time. So this will date myself a little bit too, but I remember I was, let's see, I think it was probably three or four and my dad's military. So we were based in Fort Benning at the time. And so my mom, we were going through the PX, which is their version of Walmart at the time still exists. Okay. But we were going through the PX and I was like, oh, look, it's a watch. And I was like, I want to watch. But I already had the Little Mermaid tape in the buggy. And so my mom was like, you can't have both. You can have the Little Mermaid or you can have this watch. I that is a choice. tough choice. It is a very tough choice, but do you know what I said instantaneously? <laughs> Tell us. I said the Little Mermaid. I discarded a little. I discarded that watch, and I went home, and I lived out my best dream of being Ariel. And I remember being on the steps and doing that whole splash. Someday uh -huh. I'll be like yeah, that. <laughs> but now, every time I think of the Little Mermaid, I think of the watch that got left behind. Oh, yeah, you know that's like actually watch, and it had like a calculator on it. And as oh. a kid, like oh it's dang, like, oh my god. That's so cool. I could do math. <laughs> I, which I, hate. I really hate math, but I didn't even know numbers, but I knew that it was cool. Yeah, that's it's fascinating. Let me ask you this about the Little Mermaid specifically part of your world. Did that always hit you really hard? Oh, my God. It hit me hard as a queer youth, but it yes. did not hit me really hard until I started transitioning. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yep. And of course, yep. knowing the history between Alan Menken and the queer writers that went into writing it, of course, it was, I mean, it was Co Ursula and Divine, yeah. like, right. so of course, it was always going to be coded language about being part of the queer community. But that whole, I want to be where the people are. I want to see, I want to see them dancing, yep. walking along down yep. the, what's yep. that word again, streets. So it's really, when I was going through the depths of depression, I guess, in transitioning like i remember just bawling to that song um, yeah it still gets me every time yeah and i love listening to it whenever i just need a good cry or like mm -hmm. i'm just like or i just have strong emotions yeah not the jody benson version but i really love um jesse J has a cover of oh Part wow of where she like gives it her all and so like when it's just like i need to feel things like i'll pop on that and i'll sing it at the top of my lungs of just like part of your world and yeah i feel that yeah. song very strongly it hits that that like pre-transition longing that you have so bad I, I the reason i ask is because there is a whole trans tuesday specifically about that song and how trans it reads and why it reads so trans and one of the things i discovered when i was writing that is that the original story by hans christian anderson there is some evidence in Hans Christian Andersen's personal correspondence that he may have been trans. 
And so I'm like, that makes so much sense. I haven't gone to read his actual letters myself yet to see, but... Also, that original story is dark as hell. Well, right, because back <laughs> then it was it was even harder, right, to, to possibly be trans, so... It was dark. It was just like, I think... I can't remember the ending of that, but also, this is a weird little aside. Last year, I had to be a water spirit for this outdoor installation piece. I know, okay. crazy. There's a story there, but we don't have time for all the stories. <laughs> but our person facilitating, it was like, come up with or find three water stories. And so there was a story, you know, of the Little Mermaid, because that's mine. And I ended up going with the story of, on, not Undine, but something else. But anyways... Hans Christian Andersen being so in love with somebody and he was not a woman but to be able to be married to them and that's in the letters and like yeah the way that it was all written and me find like researching that as part of being like this water spirit and then telling that to random people on the street like did you know about Hans Christian Andersen he wanted to be a woman <laughs> <laughs> a little mermaid that's my story <laughs> yeah yeah that's really the end of that story just me screaming at people on the street about Hans Christian Andersen. Amazing. <laughs> it is. It's great. You start screaming at everybody. I would love that. Yeah. Okay. Literary facts on the street. Why aren't we doing this? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So getting back to watches, I never actually liked normal men's watches, not even the cool ones. I thought some of them were actually, you know, pretty cool, but I didn't want to wear one. And it's only now looking back, I realized it's because they were a thing for men. Comparable women's watches I would have loved to get, but I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing so because in our society, even watches are gendered. And how awful is that? The answer you're looking for is very. So I did have one men's watch on our honeymoon to Disney World because we are giant nerds. You may have noticed Susan and I got a matching set of watches and I was able to tolerate this internally because Susan had the smaller women's matching one and they had Mickey on them. So in my head, all of that kind of mitigated its manliness somewhat. Even though it had a really big face and a metal link band was really heavy, all of which bothered me a lot. And also, I just want to take a moment to say that men can like and wear watches with cartoon characters on them. Normalize that crap already. But even though I had some wonderful memories associated with that watch, I still never loved it. Once we got our first smartphones, that was enough to push it off of my arm forever. I believe that was because I always had the time on my phone right in my pocket. So what did I need a watch for? But of course, reducing it down to its most utilitarian function isn't the only reason to get a watch, but that's what I told myself. Because all the watches I would have liked to have actually worn were women's watches, and that made me uncomfortable for reasons I talked about in the Trans Tuesday on the fear of embracing your true self. But also, it wouldn't have been socially acceptable for me to wear a women's watch living in the Midwest and appearing to be a cis man. And again, screw that noise, but it definitely affected me at the time. So, Ava, were there things that you wanted to do or wear or that you felt like you were prevented from by society before transitioning? I mean, well, number one, dresses. I feel like I wear them all the time now, but I remember yeah. high school specifically because I feel like it was high school where I was coming into my queerness and also, unbeknownst to me at that time, also exploring my relationship with gender. But I remember the in, at, when I was growing up, fossil like having a big fossil watch yeah was the statement piece in high school like oh look at my cool little watch i'm such a cool person because i got a fossil watch so i got one but again it was just like big and bulky yeah. and heavy it was really heavy like that thing hurt but i never felt comfortable with the watch that I, my parents got me one christmas 
I begged for it and I was like, mm, I thought I wanted this, but turns out I don't because it does not make me feel good. Nor does yeah. getting into a suit like my prom pictures. I can't look at them because yeah, I remember painful. that feeling of like, I felt like, and I feel like a lot of people or a lot of trans and non-binary people I've met now have described this feeling of like, when you're not in clothes that don't feel right, it feels like drag. So even though I was male presenting in a suit, it felt like I was in drag and cosplaying like, I'm a man, I'm a man, man, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But once I went to college and it's not, it wasn't the most liberal place, but it was liberal for Georgia, Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia is, I was able to explore myself and I became really in touch with my femininity there and really embracing it and kind of sticking my finger up to gender norms and like yeah. what was acceptable, what was not acceptable. And it always touched the pair of heels and short shorts. And I don't know why, but I feel like that's the <laughs> gateway for so many people. So if anybody's listening, heels and short shorts, doesn't matter the gender, it'll do things. <laughs> <laughs> one of which is probably make you look as really stunning so well yeah give it a shot i mean mm -hmm. yeah i met my partner wearing heels and short shorts there you go see okay so a few years back in the process of catching up on movies that we had missed we gave terminator genesis a shot and this episode is not about the merits or faults of said movie so please take those elsewhere and not in the replies thank you Okay, so we're innocently watching this movie when suddenly I'm hit by a ton of bricks by Sarah Connor. Why? Well, on the poster and in the movie itself, she has a black leather cuff watch. I actually tried to find that exact watch at first because I loved it so much. And I did, but I mean it was that exact watch from the movie in a prop auction. It went for over a grand, so now you know why I don't have it. But you may have seen in some of my selfies that I also have a black leather cuff watch. Mine isn't in any way meant as an homage to Sarah Connor, even though I do love the character, but that's not what struck me about it at all. What got me was here was a woman wearing a watch that didn't necessarily look like the typical gendered women's watch, and nobody commented on it. Nobody said anything about it at all, in the movie or otherwise. It was just accepted because it was a tiny costuming detail, and most people probably didn't even notice it, but I sure did. You also have to understand, at this time, I was already knee-deep in thinking I was trans and trying to figure it out, so all the confusion and emotions were constantly swirling in my head. And it occurred to me that I could get a watch like that, and it wouldn't technically be a woman's watch, but it also wouldn't technically be a men's watch. It was a gender-neutral badass watch. I had to have it. I just had to. It meant a ton to me. And though I didn't know why at the time, I do now. Because it was giving myself permission to start exploring that side of myself visibly, publicly, even though nobody else knew what it meant. Which is how this topic comes back around to permission. Because this was one of the first ways I let myself really start to explore who I was inside. It was a safe way for me to say, maybe I am transgender, and maybe that's okay. Let's find out. So, Ava, were there things that you did? to give yourself that permission to start exploring your own feelings around gender, little baby steps that led you down the path to accepting your transness. It was, like I mentioned, the short shorts and the heels. Yeah. But <laughs> even more so than that, because I mean, all the cool kids were doing that too. So it didn't feel like that big, big of an exploration, but it was really when I started getting deeper in my transition and I started having 
gender discussions with my therapist and it felt more like philosophy discussions like what is gender but what I needed at the time because he was forcing me to define what being a woman was to me and I realized so much of it was defined by what I had consumed and seen and created yep. this image of what it meant to be woman instead of what I felt and thought it to be and so this for instance of facial hair facial hair always made me incredibly dysphoric yep me too it was just like I could break down in tears over it but also pre-HRT like there's something about shaving in my skin where I just hated it so it would become inflamed and like it was just like either I have facial hair and I keep my skin or I don't have facial hair and it's just <laughs> so I chose facial hair <laughs> but it always made me feel just the worst until and we can debate the merits of the movie at another time, but The Greatest Showman came out. And I think everyone watching that movie, if you did see it, had a transformative experience of some sort, if you were trans queer or whatever. Because in the movie, This Is Me is sung by Letty, who is the bearded woman. And there was something about seeing the bearded woman and then seeing the bearded drag queen who won Eurovision that helped me reconcile being a woman and having facial hair yeah and then so there were moments of just crying and singing out to this is me blah, 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 and all that other stuff but in continuing on my transitioning journey and during the pandemic once things had kind of stabilized a little bit and we were getting that extra pandemic money i was like i'm going to treat myself to some laser hair removal because again hormones they will change a lot of things but they won't change what's already been done yeah so I was very open about it at least on my I was open about it privately with my Facebook friends who that's sure. all friends only and talking about you know I have my first laser hair appointment and I was surprised at the number of women with PCOS who reached out to me and asked what was that experience like because I've been wondering like does it hurt and things like that and it also shifted my own feelings of like gender really is this broad spectrum and we have so many different experiences and yeah it it made me feel a lot less isolated and it yeah. really between seeing the bearded lady to hearing about other people's experiences with PCOS it just made me feel so less isolated and healed my own relationship with facial hair and yeah, I don't even know if they answered the question, but we're going to pretend it did. Yeah, no, that helped me a lot too. I haven't been able to get laser or electrolysis yet. So that's it's something that I still struggle with a lot, but it did help me when I see that there are like cis women that have to deal with it too, especially when they go through a menopause and they start getting, you know, they get a little facial hair stuff that they want to get rid of. And that helped me a lot realize that it wasn't, it didn't mean that I was any less of a woman, you know, so mm. stuff like just yeah humans are just a wide varied spectrum and you're not the first person to be going through whatever you're going through we've all right so many have been there yeah so for the this watch that i was talking about it was susan who found rockstar leatherworks when i was having difficulty finding one that i liked she is very great at internet research you should get yourself a susan i highly recommend it but get your own because this one's fine 
So they're a small company. They might just be one guy doing it all by himself. I, I'm not sure, but they have really good customer service and I could not be happier with the watch. I love it. I love seeing it on my arm. I even love snapping it on and off. I'm weird. Oh, I was going to wear it and show you the snap. Oh, I don't have it. The snap sound effects would have been so good. Okay. Listen, <laughs> so it doesn't fit as well as it used to because leather loosens a bit over time. And I got it before I really committed to all of my running and exercise which I talked about in the Trans Tuesday on Body Hacking, which was episode 9 of this show. But incidentally, getting and wearing and being comfortable with loving the watch is what led directly to the women's running hoodie I mentioned in that Body Hacking episode, which was the first piece of women's clothing I ever owned. Incremental baby steps got me through. Do you remember the first women's clothes that you owned, Ava? Like that were yours? That were mine. Oh, yeah. The first thing you got for yourself. Me too. It was a, like a, there was a red dress that I got at Goodwill or something, but I feel like that didn't really count because it was during that exploratory phase. Like, I'm going to dress up for Halloween, but really it was just like testing the waters. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That so many of us are familiar with. But it wasn't until years later where I was like, all right, I'm going to start transitioning socially without telling anyone. And for me, it was it was a woman's blouse and it was a button up. Like it was one of those things where like this could be gender neutral. It could go either yep. way, unless you yep. were to actually look the buttons and realize, oh my God, it buttons differently. But <laughs> yeah. you had to be really close up on me and really intimate. And then it'd be like, why are you looking at my buttons? Are you removing them? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> but it was just this white with black piping and it was just this blouse that just made me feel very like I feel like a put together lady here <laughs> <laughs> were you super super nervous buying it so here's the other thing even when I before I transitioned I hated yeah. shopping in stores so it was online okay I, um, okay I I am still very nervous about shopping for clothes in person. Yeah. I've gotten better at it and it didn't pre post transition, whatever. So yeah, I felt very comfortable doing my body measurements and being like, all right, for my bust, this should match up. I don't know why you're using weird number scales, women's clothing. I don't know why I need yeah. to know that I am an, uh, I don't know, a blue pink flamingo like what does that even mean let's just go with numbers but knowing my bus size and just being able to differentiate it between it that's really helpful so I ordered it from express I went on a little spending spree and I bought a lot of basics I felt like that was yeah. my real entryway of like I'm getting some camis some blouses yeah some blue jeans it right. sounds so simple but switching it was to like... women's jeans was a big thing yeah i was very excited one of the first things i did so yeah i get it uh, yeah you never shopped you know nope. hated shopping but now i can't stop and now it's like complete yeah i want more i have a lifetime of clothes to make up for you have filled every possible closet wardrobe there is no it's, more room it's good okay. there is no more room in our tiny apartment i'm like you know you got to get rid of some stuff eventually like, <laughs> we'll see or or susan <laughs> i will tell you that my my partner is just like ava you can't buy any more clothes we this sounds horrible we <laughs> took our attic we made walking stairs up there to turn it into extra storage jealous 
just filled with my clothes. And yes. so the other thing too, being a duchess, <laughs> I need wardrobe. You do. You know, that I seems agree. like, you know, I would accept that. Okay. You need to. I have to be a duchess. You just need some sort of royal title. Okay. And then. Yeah. I will be the duchess of Burbank. <laughs> Oh, my, my S word is not in here, but I hereby dub thee Tilly Bridges. Oh, the oh my God. Of Burbank. Oh, all my dreams are coming true. Oh God, you're a dungeon. I know. Okay, I gotta get you crown. All right. Okay. I'm gonna send okay. you both crowns and tiaras in the mail. Oh. This is the best thing ever. Susan, where would you choose? If you could be a duchess of anywhere, where would you choose? Where oh, would you no. choose? Oh no. Kenneth Burbank at this mine. Sorry. Gonna have my dungeon about it. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. I'll get back to you. All right. So anyway, as I committed going back to the topic, yes, as I fully committed to my regular runs, I ended up dropping about fifty pounds, which got me very far away from the dad bod that used to bug me so much. But it also contributed to how loose the watch is on my arm now. I don't think I'd pick the same design for it if I were to design another one now to get one that fits better, but I can't really afford to replace it anyway, so it's not something I've really explored. Yeah, you can. No. It's my money, it's I know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's okay, because I'm so, so happy with it and grateful to have it. I love it with my, my whole heart, because it's a piece of the key that helped unlock my true self, and that makes it priceless. Thank you for being here, Ava. Thank you for having me, both of you all. And to everyone out there listening, please give yourself permission to explore your own self-expression, even if you have to do it in incremental baby steps. Find that truer you, because there's nothing better than being that person with the entirety of your heart. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges, with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>